0: in the father and the son and the holy spirit one god Amen. I will uh, give my contemplation today from the book of acts that was read and not directly from not directly from the gospel but from uh, from the book of acts and it comes today from chapter 9 verse 3 to 9 so I'll read those Again, um, just because maybe some were not here when the book of Acts was read. As he journeyed, that's about Paul, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the man who journeyed with him, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And glory be to God forever. Amen. What an encounter um, I don't know why this time when I read this account it, it took me a little bit um, by a uh, maybe a thought a deeper thought than I than what I usually what I've given it in the past, because it is such a profound encounter with the Lord that completely, completely transformed the life of such an important figure in the life of the church and the history of Christianity completely. I mean you gotta you gotta think that this encounter is what turned Paul around. Not that he was bad or evil, on the contrary, he was a very godly man. In fact, he himself says, You know, I've, I've, I've behaved in the past out of ignorance. I was not, that was not my intention. My intention was not to harm the same faith that, in a sense, I grew zealous for. But the the encounter was so deep that it completely transformed him. If you read the context of of this and you read what took place, now it's really something not ordinary. I'm sure you understand it's not ordinary, but this is um, something piercing in his heart and in his mind so deep. I'm going to read a couple of verses before that. And he says, then Saul, this is Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And what I read earlier is verse 3. So what happens in verse 1 and 2 is the following. Then Saul, still breathing and threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So if he found any... Um, who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Which one has to ask, why don't you just, you know, take care of them in Damascus? He says no, no, I want to make a point here in Jerusalem that anyone else would, you know, this is now we're taking a different route, we're taking steps beyond what we've done in Jerusalem. Um, We've gone after those who uh, became Christians, but now we're not only staying within Jerusalem, we're not only staying within the boundaries of our cities, we're even going out to outside the premise of Jerusalem, going even to Damascus. So why Damascus? Major city. Major city. So we want to make this very clear and evident to everyone that we're not making this easy on anyone those who are following the way are heretics. From a Jewish perspective, those who are following the way are heretics. And heretics in a Jewish perspective has to be, a heretic has to be put to death. So what do we do? We go after them. We go and bring them to Jerusalem and charge them. With their heresies here in Jerusalem but that's not what takes place the story does not continue as planned at all he goes to the extent to ask the high priest to get you know soldiers and letters and, and something very official he's going on a very official mission here but that's not what God intended for him at all For God saw that in his heart there is something big. And so he's faced now with the Lord. You know, the Lord in the Gospel of John is named what? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the resurrection, I am the living water, I am the bread, I am the shepherd, I am the door. He's all of these I am's. But today, what is he? I am Jesus. Right? He asks him, Lord, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus. Put the same I am Jesus along with all the other I am's that we mentioned. Along with, I am the resurrection, I am the life, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the bread, I am the living water, I am, I am, I am, but today I am Jesus. This is personal to me, Saul. You are persecuting me. Why are you persecuting me? So who are you? I am Jesus. Now the Lord is coming to be very, very personal. No more abstract names. Not that that the I am titles are abstract. Don't don't misunderstand me. but, But I am Jesus now becomes very personal. Now this is personal to me, Saul. But the Lord knew that this is very personal to Saul as well. This was not a religion that he practiced on Saturdays. But this is something deep, deep in his heart. This is something deep in his being and who he is. And so the Lord meets him with that same personal relationship. And he says, I am Jesus. You are persecuting me. And this, by the way, stays with Paul for the rest of his life. Of course, no such account would leave anybody's mind. But he comes back to this account several times. He comes back to it in Acts 22 and he comes back to it in Acts 26, I believe. Then he comes back to it even in Galatians chapter 1 when he says, you know, in my former life i was ignorant i persecuted the church he he keeps this account in his mind almost when he writes first timothy which is almost at the end of his life he keeps coming back to this moment in life but i also want to say that this was not yes thank you this was not Just a moment. This turned to be a life that he lived. This turned to be a life he lived. Paul had seen no miracles from the Lord, by the way. He had seen no miracles. This is the only encounter with him. But you know how he believed? The prophecies. The books. The Old Testament. The reading. All of them... Point to the Lord Christ. All of them. Point to the Lord Christ. And he probably spent the the next three years thinking of those prophecies and how the Lord fulfills all of them. For the early church, the matter was not the Lord performing miracles. But for the early church, the matter was the Lord fulfills the prophecies. Miracles were given to those who did not have the books, in a sense. But those who had the books, those who had the prophecies, to them, it was Isaiah, it was Jeremiah, it was Ezekiel, it was Moses. These are the writings that actually helped them to recognize that it's the Lord. It's the books that he had. It was not a supernatural power that made them convert. But it's the fact that he fulfilled the prophecies. The Lord was so merciful to him because he knew what's in his heart. And he keeps coming back into this. God who is rich in his mercy because of the great love by which he loved us while we were dead in our trespasses, Christ died for us. By grace, we've been saved. He keeps repeating and emphasizing on grace and keep and emphasizing on mercy and how much we've received grace and mercy. Plenty. Plenty. Absolutely, absolutely plenty. You know, in the chapter right before this, we have the account of Philip And the Ethiopian uh, eunuch. Who was traveling. And what was he doing while traveling? Reading the books. Reading Isaiah. And the Lord tells Philip, go get on this chariot. And he gets on the chariot. And the man is reading. He's dedicating his life to the scriptures. And he's not even a Jew. But he he dedicated his life to such a divine... Um, book that he understood to be a God-given book. And so he dedicated his life and he was, wanted to know. What is Isaiah speaking of? And so Philip shows him the way and he says, "It doesn't say, you know, let's wait when I get where I was going and then baptize me there. He says, is there anything that can stop me from getting baptized now? And Philip says, no. He says, okay, let's get to water. Right? And then he gets to water and gets baptized immediately. This topic of zeal has been in my mind. Because these men and women did not take these events and these readings and kept them on the surface. But he said these are divine words and divine events. And they're so powerful that they have to change our lives. And so Paul writes, God who is rich in his mercy because of the great love by which he loved us, while we were dead in trespasses, Christ died for us by grace we've been saved. So where was the mercy with Ananias and Sapphira? The couple that died immediately when they were asked is it by by this amount of money you've sold the field where is this mercy this account by the way sometimes is just so provoking to us and just like you know peter couldn't you know you could have just given him some slack and say you know come habibi come repent You know, you don't have to, you know, the judgment doesn't have to come right now for you to actually literally die. This did not even happen with Adam. Adam was even given more time. But with them, was different. And I tell you, even their death was also because of the mercy of God. The church fathers said, had they continued in their lives they would have continued on in more wickedness. And so because God's mercy, God decided to end their life right there, there, rather than them continuing on in their lives in a life of wickedness. Now, sometimes opportunities come our way. An encounter with a personal God. And sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we experience it. Sometimes we experience it as we are here in the liturgy. Sometimes we experience it as we are reading our Bibles at home. Sometimes we experience it in a setting with our Father of Confession. Sometimes we experience it as we listen to a Christian podcast. But this experience, as valuable as it is, unless it turns to a life-changing way, a way to change our lives, that experience dies. And this is, by the way, what happens many times with us. We encounter the experience. We encounter the personal God. We encounter the, I am Jesus. But then it fades away after a day or two or three or 10 or 20 or 20, some, or a month or two. But that's not what happened with Saul. That's not what happened with with the eunuch. Our personal encounter with God should not end with a feeling that lasts for a week or two but should be ignited by zeal from within not just to to feel but to do and to live if the feeling continues good and great if the feeling does not continue you continue on doing the work of God Because in many times, the feelings might go away. But if there is a true zeal, the working for God and the working towards the kingdom should continue. When we encounter the personal Jesus, the I am Jesus, we should continue regardless our feelings are there or not. We should continue our prayers. We should continue our coming to church. We should continue in our fasting. We should continue in our prostrations. We should continue our repentance. It has nothing to do with the feelings. God who is very personal is very zealous God and you want us to live with the same extent of zeal, ignited by our own actions which starts by the grace and the mercy of god do not let this personal encounter dies away but continue to feed it by our actions towards the kingdom and glory be to god